Welcome to Real Food, Real Conversations with Sophia DeSantis, where we focus on finding our happy balance between salad and fries. Welcome back to the Real Food, Real Conversations podcast. I am so excited to have you here today, especially with today's topic. I'm super passionate about this and love, love, love talking about it. Um, We are going to talk about the devil that we call sugar. Um, And I say that in jest because it's not the devil, but um, a lot of people think it is. And I'm super excited to have an actual registered dietitian on with me, Laura, and we're going to get the real deal. Because one thing I really believe in is that we don't educate ourselves through Mr. Google, and we don't educate ourselves through random people online. But we need to go to those people that are actually, um, you know, they they know what they're talking about. (laughs) They're licensed professionals. Um, Laura, why don't you introduce yourself um, and a little bit about what you do? Sure. Hi, I am Laura Burak. I'm a registered dietitian and I've been practicing for, this is kind of scary, but close to 18 years, but I'm not that old. I went right into nutrition from high school. Basically I went to get my bachelor's in nutrition because I always knew I wanted to work with food specifically and how to educate people that you can still be a foodie and enjoy delicious food and simplify all the stuff that you hear and still move towards your health goals. So I am, my, my business is called get naked nutrition on Instagram. And that what that means is stripping down to the simplicity of food and nutrition so that you can really become the the healthiest version of yourself at any age. Um, So it really comes down to a foodie focused approach to nutrition and not shunning any food in general, but being like finding a way to include everything in your diet so that you are smiling when you're eating and you don't, like you said, demonize things like sugar. And it's funny enough, I'm actually leading a sugar busters week right now. It's funny that this coincided with it. I'm not sure when it will air, but the sugar busters week is really to kind of help people pay attention to what they're putting in their bodies, read labels a little more, be mindful. And again, not think of sugar as something we can't have, but instead just be a little more educated about it and and see how it feels to be more mindful and to kind of cut the junk out that bombards our diet without us even knowing it sometimes. I love that. And I am an educator by, you know, I have a master's degree in education and I am always approaching things from the side of education versus um, the fear mongering that let's be real, the online world really kind of instills in people. And Mm -hmm. um, I, I love education, which is why I wanted to bring you on to talk about sugar and start from the actual science behind it. And let's start, you know, busting these like you said, let's get down to the naked. I love that. I love getting, stripping it down to <laughs> yeah. the basics because if you don't know the basics, like how can you make educated decisions on exactly. what you're doing? Um, and and, and nobody's ever been taught how to eat. I mean, even doctors right. maybe get one nutrition class in their life and they are, you know, they're becoming a doctor, which is knowing right. all about the body, um, which is why dietitians exist. And why um, it's so important to find experts in health like registered dietitians instead of listening to a a ton of misinformation that you may hear online that will confuse you even more. Exactly. Um, And I actually, this obviously is not going to air today when we're recording, but I wanted to say happy registered dietitians day. I saw that online. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) I didn't even know it was until I opened my Instagram today and saw everybody writing happy RDN day. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yes, I just love, Oh, and I, I, those of you listening, I don't even remember if I said this, but this is episode 47. Um, such my podcast kind of going as it flows. I think I forgot to say that. Um, anyway, I love the casual, you know, coffee talk here. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of how I run my life. I feel like when it comes to overall health and wellness, and I don't know if, you know, like I, um, was a teacher for 14 years and I'm actually not super old either. I mean, well, I'm turning 44, so I don't consider myself super old, probably 
you know, older than, than some. Um, but I went straight to education from college as well. So I totally know what you mean. Uh, um, from, I went from high school to getting my degree in biology and psychology because I thought I want to be a doctor, but then I really got into the, um, just the brain and psychology aspect of things, which led me into teaching, which led me into being um, a special education specialist. And so I taught first grade and special education, which then led me with my husband's health change that he had to make for his own heart condition um, to what I do now, which is I'm a health coach, but I'm more um, an education centered health coach in the sense that I like to strip down, like you said, to the real education part of it and, and help people make changes in their life aligned with their like virtues. And, and I really believe in like the person knows what to do, but sometimes people need that guidance. And that's kind of what we're here to do today is to give that guidance when it comes to sugar. Absolutely. Right. You know, all the tools are in front of us, but we don't really know how to use them. So that's kind of what I do is, is guide and educate. And the first step really is educating people because they're just scared of certain foods and they're fearful. And we put foods in two different boxes of like, this is the good food and this is the bad food. And if I eat this food, I was good today. And if I eat this food, I was bad today. So, you know, it's really trying to meet somewhere in the middle and merge those two boxes so that you figure out how to include everything in your diet and, you know, move towards a happy medium instead of, you know, villainizing something like sugar, but we are addicted to sugar. So we can definitely get into it now. If you want to ask me kind of the first thing. Well, let's start, um, let's start with the basics. Let's start like, what is a sugar? Like back to the science of what is sugar? So, I mean, sugar is glucose, basically. It's like two glucose molecules. So Um, when you eat sugar and it's just sugar, for example, and there's many different sugars, we think usually of sugar as, you know, the white sugar, right? Usually Um, now we have a hundred different sugars and no one knows what's what, and one is touted as healthier than another. Um, we can also think of sugar as, you know, the basics, candy, cookies, ice cream, um, you know, kind of cereals and, and snack foods like that. But when you eat sugar, it is broken down into glucose in your body and used for energy. So, um, you know, I just want everyone listening to know that whether you have white sugar, brown sugar, honey, um, coconut sugar, or syrups, they're all recognized in your body as the same thing. So, you know, to, to look online and be kind of marketed because we're all marketed to and, and, um, you know, it's almost like there's a, um, what's it called? You know, the fear fear mongering of the labels on things. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's up to you what you prefer and what works, let's say in a recipe or something that you're making, what works best and what you prefer and what tastes best to you. Because to say one is better than the other is not necessarily true. Um, Honey is the same as sugar, but it has some antioxidants, for example. Coconut sugar is a little lower on the glycemic index, which means it makes your blood sugar spike less than regular sugar, but that doesn't mean, again, one is necessarily better than the other. Yeah. And I definitely have that on my list of things that we're going to talk about is all those things that we look at when we're, you know, I guess, lining sugar up in a beauty contest and deciding who's the best. Right. And, and there's, again, there's like, you know, it's more about like looking at your, your lifestyle and your diet as a whole, instead of just picking on you know, individual things. So you really want to look at what your life looks like, what your diet looks like and how to kind of modify and adjust realistically so that, you know, for example, instead of having, you know, some candy for a snack, we choose the natural sugar, which we'll talk about what's natural sugar and what is added sugar. And maybe that's kind of a segue into this is what foods are going to actually give you nutrition 
because they are natural foods with actual vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants. So one of the simplest examples is comparing fruit to, you know, let's say a cherry flavored candy. So you have actual cherries that are the fruit and picked from a tree versus, you know, the processed candy that tastes sort of like a cherry, but it doesn't have any nutrients in it except straight up sugar. So there's a big difference between natural sugars that are found in things that grow outside, if you want to think of it like that, in the ground, on a tree, on a bush. Those were nat that's where natural sugars come from versus the packaged processed ones. And basically the two, there's two natural sugars, which is lactose that comes from milk and fructose that comes from fruit and everything else out there, no matter what the label says, is an added sugar. For the most part. Yes. And to keep it in simple, to keep it in simple yes. terms yes. of like people listening. But it's disguised as a different word. So it's your yes. package may not say sugar on it. No, it, no. It could say you know, 55 other things. Right. There could literally be 50 other words that a company uses to not only kind of put a health halo on something, which means like it seems healthy, but it's not really so healthy as they market it. Um, or they're just using another form of sugar to sweeten their food. So you'll see all kinds of examples there. It may, you know, it, it's, it's probably not going to say cane sugar. It will probably say a lot of other things that you might not recognize are, as sugar, but that's why it's so important when you're buying packaged food, which of course it's 2021, we are all going to have a somewhat processed diet, no matter how healthy we are. And that's okay. But to start looking at labels and identifying what am I actually eating? What does that mean? And are there added sugars in it? So a great example, you know, like you just said, is dairy food, like yogurt and milk. It has natural milk sugar, which is naturally found in milk. And then you are going to have on top of it in certain yogurts, for example, a lot of added sugar. So there's that kind of baseline sugar that's natural. And then they may add a lot of extra sugar. So that's why you'll see certain yogurts could have 25 grams of sugar when there's only really five grams of natural sugar. And from what I understand, um, I think that now ingredient labels, um, cause I actually, I just created this whole opt-in on reading ingredient labels, um, for my audience. So I did kind of a bunch of research on this. And from what I understand, ingredient labels now have to actually separate out added sugars from their sh on, like on the actual label. It needs to have a line that says added sugar. So you can see in the yes. the added sugar. So that's a new requirement yes. of the food label. You still might not see it on all food labels as they, you know, yes. transition into yeah. that, but that is really helpful because, um, you know, the simplest things are very difficult for people. And that's kind of what I teach is how to really simplify things. And if they're giving you more information on a label, that's a really good thing. So you can actually see how much added sugar versus natural sugar is actually in this food. If you don't understand the, the words on the label, yes. you know, the other can, sugar words. Can you give us like, cause I know um, there's like 50 plus different names, quote unquote names for sugar, yeah. but um, could you give them just for people listening? Cause it's overwhelming like to, um, to see all the added names, but maybe some of the most common that you would find on an ingredient label that doesn't say sugar. Um, so people can kind of, you know, see these more mm -hmm. common things and know. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's so many, it could be malt. You see malt a lot or malt syrup or different kinds of syrup. You might see cane juice or cane juice crystals, carob syrup, um, just the word glucose or dextrose, maltose. So anything ending in O-S-E or O-L like malitol means a sugar. Even powdered sugar, you know, at least the word sugar is in there. Um, you know, you can look online and you'll see things that say 75 different names for sugar. And just getting more in touch with what those words are is really helpful. So of course, there you'll see this a lot as high fructose corn syrup that gets a really bad reputation, but 
again, like everything else, it's not going to kill you. Uh, yes. Honey alone, this honey is, is sugar. It's another ingredient that they might be using to sweeten their food. It could just be fruit, fruit juice or fructose or um, dextrose. Did I say that already? Um, um, yeah, I think Corn so. syrup, corn sweetener, coconut sugar, coconut palm sugar, and a lot of healthier, you know, t- brands that are, are quote unquote healthier, like to use things like coconut sugar or things that are described as healthier or lower glycemic index. Well, and let's kind of segue into this whole idea of a healthier sugar. Um, because there's so many different things you can think about when it comes to a sugar. And like you said, most people, you know, when you think, oh, quote unquote, bad sugar, the sugar wearing the horns, it's that mm-hmm. white, very white, you know, um, smooth looking sugar that you, you know, basic sugar that you find in the grocery store. But the reality is there's so many different types of sugar. And the differences in these really is just at what point in the processing, you know, uh, sequence, they've kind of been taken out of processing, really, you know, the, the on one end, we have that white sugar. And on the other hand, you know, you have, you know, the very beginning of the processing um, plant. So let's talk about that and what that kind of means when it's darker versus lighter. It doesn't really matter. You know, brown sugar is the same thing as white sugar. It's just, a, it's right. It's a different process of what creates what, but like I said before, the simplest way to think about it is your body recognizes simple sugars, which is what all of those words we just talked about as the exact same thing. When you actually put it into your mouth there's something called amylase, which is that enzyme that starts breaking your food down that comes from saliva. So when you taste something sweet, amylase is, is um, released and digestion starts. So your body doesn't know what, what kind of sugar you're having if it's one of these simple sugars. They're basically all the same. They just have different tastes to them. They have different functions for different recipes and you know, for toppings of different things, you know, for example, like people love to use brown sugar on their oatmeal, but that's just kind of a traditional thing, but you could put honey on it or brown sugar and it wouldn't make it any difference in terms of how it tastes. So, um, yes, totally. And that is like, you know, the bottom line with like, you know, sugar, the way your body processes, you know, and it's basically sugar is a carbohydrate, you know, and that's, um, your body, we have carbohydrates in so many different forms, but as far as like, like when, when sugar is, you know, taken from the sugar cane or the, the, you know, coconut sugar is taken from the coconut tree and the beetroot or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they go through a process, you know, like anything you buy at the store, you know, they go through a process yeah. and what, what makes the white sugar white and what makes the brown sugar brown? I think it's just the way it's processed. You know, I, I, I don't know the exact process behind every sugar, but I, I know that, you know, when something's called natural sugar, natural would mean like going out in your backyard and picking like a stevia leaf off of the tree. Um, so when, you know, people say natural, it's everything is processed. They take it, they grind it up, they process it into either a powder or a liquid. Um, so, you know, we have to be careful with those words too. And again, not, be afraid to have the thing that we enjoy the most. You you know, again, you have to look at your diet from a big picture here and they're all still simple sugars. They're all going to be broken down into glucose molecules, um, which is what all those simple sugars are. And then, you know, the way that we fit them into our diet in a healthy way is by adding the other macronutrients. So all of these sugars are carbohydrates. They're the simplest form of carbohydrates. Um, You know, so what we want to do and what I recommend is picking carbohydrates that are nutritious and contain fiber in them, for example, which slows digestion, which helps keep your blood sugar stable. So there's a big difference between, you know, eating ice cream versus eating a a plain Greek yogurt with some fresh fruit in it you know, you're getting protein and you're getting fiber versus no protein and no fiber in that ice cream. So that's a really important thing to, to recognize is that when we add protein and fiber 
and heart healthy fat to our carbohydrates, which then gives you all three of the macronutrients, which are carbs, protein, and fat. When you have meals and snacks with all three of those things in, in it, then that helps to keep you full and satisfied. And there's overall healthier for you because, you know, it helps control your blood sugar, um, which then can help with cravings and, you know, help with calorie control naturally, because the more full and satisfied you are, the less you're kind of just never satisfied and eating all day long and, and overeating. Which totally is really common. And, and kind of what happens with my clients is, you know, they're, they're either skipping meals all day or they're not including protein, enough protein and fiber. And they say to me, I'm hungry all day long and I have, I'm craving sweets and sweets are the devil and I have the worst sweet addiction. But, you know, it really just takes looking at your diet and diet means what you eat. We're not talking about a weight loss diet here. Yeah. <laughs> Word is always associated with weight, but we're looking at your diet and we're tweaking it to say, okay, well, in this meal, all you had was fruit, which is just simple sugar, even though it's fruit, but we don't have any protein added to it, which is going to slow digestion and it's going to keep you fuller longer. So it's really about taking what you're doing and adjusting it so that you naturally sometimes are eating more, but taking in less overall. Absolutely. Um, a hundred percent. Like we, we need to look towards, you know, where are we getting those nutrients? And that's kind of where I was going with that processing question, because I wanted to make sure we bring up and debunk um, the thought that, so when the sugar is processed, the brown stuff in sugar is, is molasses, which is the byproduct of processing sugar. And that molasses, when you completely strip it out, that's how you get that white um, crystal sugar. But there's, there's a lot out there that makes people believe that while the brown sugar has some, more of that molasses in it and more AKA nutrients, that doesn't mean that you're getting nutrients from sugar because sugar is not a nutrient dense food. So that is kind of like the buzzword I was kind of going for because so much of the packaging and whatever, it talks about nutrients. Oh, it's, you know, pick this one. It has nutrients in it. It's like, well, you'd have to eat like a truckload of that in order yeah, to just get the like, nutrients you need. Yeah. People just think like darker colored food too is more nutritious, which, you know, we do recommend having a colorful plate, right? And we don't want to eat white foods, but think of like cauliflower is one of the most nutritious foods and it is yeah. white. So, you know, we put kind of brown sugar and coconut sugar on a pedestal, but you know, it's just a different processing System. Well, and you would, you would die from like blood sugar spiking overload if you were to eat enough sugar to get the nutrients that is in that sugar. So like, right. that's what I wanted. Using that much of it, you know, it, it's, no. it, it depends what you're doing, but like we, we hopefully think of using sugar as a condiment and like a yeah. sprinkle. And that's how I would recommend using it, whether it's brown sugar, white sugar, jams and jellies and honeys, you know, they're all delicious, but what do you prefer? And, and I do recommend having it, using it as a condiment because a little bit goes a long way and it can help you actually enhance the flavor of your food to eat more nutritious foods. Yeah. So you know, that's something to think about too. It's not just necessarily a bad food, you know, it's yes. like what, what context are you, you know, taking that in? What are you having it with that can balance totally. it all out and actually help you have a really healthy meal. And we're not just focusing on the fact that there's a little bit of sugar in it. Yes. You know, like people talk a lot about like, oh my God, I put so much sugar in my coffee or I use, you know, the artificially sweetened stuff in my coffee and I just need it so sweet. And, you know, I tell them, I would love for you to get back to tasting real food. We don't even know what, what real food without tons of sugar and salt tastes like anymore in some yes. of our diets. So kind of weaning yourself down if you feel like you need to sweeten things so much because we naturally love a sweet taste and our diet is filled with added sugars that we don't even know what food tastes like anymore without adding a lot of sugar to it. 
Well, and when I was younger too, when um, the whole uh, low fat movement came out with the fat free movement, ultimately what they did was they took away that fat, but fat provides flavor. And how mm -hmm. did they, they needed to enhance the food so that it tasted good. So people would eat it. So what did they do when they took away the fat? They added the sugar. Right. And so you just flip flopped from getting this fat to eating more sugar. And that's what, you know, they said, because with our cardiovascular, you know, health, that is like one of the top problems in our country is yeah. cardiovascular disease. And they thought, okay, well, cardiovascular disease, it must be the fat that's causing this problem. So they, we had this whole low fat movement, this whole mm -hmm. fat free movement and snack wells and all Oh my God. I was I just talking with. about that today. <laughs> yeah. And but I call it the snack is, wells era. And like, you know, yes, if you're, I'm not sure what, you to, yes, me too. I mean, I just said today in my group, like, cause all of us are above a certain age that lived through the snack wells era. And, you know, we've, we said we have this fat fear and people still have it. And fat is your friend. Fat is good for you when you have the, you know, healthy kinds of fat It's very helpful. But what happened back then is for some reason we, we were like, fat is bad. And, yeah. you know, you can, you know, if it's fat free, you can have as much of it as you want. And guess what happened? You make a whole box of snack wells. Right. That's what you, I did because exactly. it didn't satisfy you because the course. fat is gone. Right. There was nothing in it but straight up carbs and, you know, it, it was, it's cookies. And yeah. I mean, I think at least now from some education, people are understanding that fat is very helpful for their health and so important, but I still every day have to convince people that fat is your friend. If you use it in, in doses that help you by putting some yes. avocado or real salad dressing. Um, you know, I'm, I just had a post the other day. I was like, can we please like abolish fat-free cheese? Like it makes no sense. They're like, adding who eats sugar. It anyway, it's <laughs> people disgusting. do. Well, you know, it, it's also from diet culture that, you know, yes. things like Weight Watchers will assign more points to a cheese that might be higher fat, which just yeah. is not a well, good idea. And the reality is, it's like, you know, back then when they didn't, you know, they just assumed that cardiovascular disease was coming from all the fat people were eating. And when they took that away and that whole era of the low fat cheeses and milks and fat free cheeses and milks, they did not see a decline in cardiovascular disease. And right you know, they really had to relook at it and say, well, it's not going away. So it's actually getting worse. And, mm -hmm. you know, these added sugars, they cause inflammation too. So it's like, mm -hmm. um, let's go back. And so now all of a sudden, like, you know, like you said, back then it was like this fat fear and we still have that fat fear, but now we also have a fear of carbs mm -hmm. and <laughs> there's yeah. like so many fears. There's so many fears and it, and it takes a lot of work sometimes to take decades of what you've been taught or, you know, what your habits have been and what your mindset is to, to change that and to unlearn it and to, to learn actual science-based information versus like just kind of hearsay or things that we used to do that are just, we know now are yeah. not healthy or not a good idea or not helping us, you know, in my opinion, and from, you know, seeing so many real people in real life for so many years, you know, sugar in our diet, added sugar is the number one problem. It's not, you know, fat, it's, um, it's sugar and it's, it's feeling like you're addicted to sugar. And, and yes, there is this inflammatory response when we take in too much sugar just this week with, with the clients I'm working with that are taking that added sugar out of their diet it within a day or two, they were, they're reporting more energy, sleeping better, less headaches. So there is truly a, like side effects when there is too much added sugar in your diet. And Absolutely. then it's like a ripple effect, you know, and then yep. it affects everything else because everything in your life is interrelated. Um, 100%. Well, and I like to tell my kids like, so and I'm a total science nerd. And so I was pre-med mm -hmm. in college and I just like all these science-y type things are like, I just, I'm so into it. I love that kind of stuff, which is kind of how I try to approach it with my kids, you know, when they go into the cupboard and they're like, I want to eat this, you know, whatever, you know, this bar and it has a, you know, it's or candy or whatever it is. 
um, I try and tell them like, I, I educate them as, as far as like sugar and what it means in your body and you know, the blood sugar spike and hey, however, if you pair that with a protein, that's mm-hmm. actually going to slowly help your blood sugar, you know, it's going to, it's going to help your digestion. So your blood sugar isn't going to spike that high and you're actually going to feel better. And you're going to have much more energy when you're going out to football today or baseball today or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So my kids like consciously, like they're starting to really think about that. Like my son will reach for an apple. Cause even an apple, I mean, it still spikes your blood sugar. And so he'll reach for an apple and he'll be like, Ooh, I'm going to dip some almond butter in uh-huh. it. And I'm exactly. just like, yes. Well, that's Let's great. Party. I'm glad your kids do that. <laughs> Mine are like, oh yeah, can we go to the supermarket and walk down the cereal aisle? I mean, is there, that is like the epitome of a sugar addiction, especially for kids and why from such a young age, you know, we become addicted to sugar and, totally. a, and lot, a lot of it is so much of it is marketing. So much of it is marketing. I mean, my kids and my kids aren't perfect. I mean, I prod them a ton when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, but it's funny how kids will remember commercials. Like my son will sing a commercial and we don't even watch TV very often. And when we do, it's like those apps. So we don't even have commercials, but he'll like see one because of something and he'll be singing it two weeks later. And I'm like, dear God, like (laughs) that commercial is successful. Oh yes. And what about YouTube and TikTok? I mean, they're, they're targeting the exact people that will then make their parents buy them crap. And then that escalates into something else. You know, it's like buying sugar cereals to them is like the greatest gift of all. And then they're, they tell me about things I've never heard of. And we go to the store right. and it's there and they have like the extra prize that you get in the box. And, oh, and it, I and thought it, that was gone. Was that, that no, was like our no they like, still have that exist? on some things. Yeah. I mean, I it's used like, to love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really is like marketing at its best to like the sugar addiction we have in this country, especially to our kids, which is like a whole other subject um, that totally. we can talk about forever. But, you know, you're, you're, and, and it's hard, even, you know, I mean, kids don't really think about their health at a young age. And even like people in their 30s and 40s, aren't that concerned with their health and aren't thinking about like, Oh my God, I, you know, I want to live a really long time. You know, it takes sometimes until you get sick or, um, something happens in your life to really look at that. But, you know, even from a young age, it's really important to like, look at what you're doing and how you can just yes. really improve it little by little, because it will lead you to a happier, healthier life with time, with baby steps. Yes. And I think it's actually even more important at a young age, because I think when you instill these things when they're young, like if, for example, my kids, so my kids um, are at school and this, our school district does um, gives every kid a free lunch. So I have to make my life easy. I have my kids like get the free lunch. And last year um, there was a, they, they, I forget what it was. It was like a half day or something and they brought it home. And I had imagined it being okay because our district has its own kitchen and has like a a farm uh, lab where they grow, you know, salad bar things and whatnot. So it's like, I can't be terrible, but I actually was surprised at how decent ish most of the stuff was like they use whole wheat tortillas on their quesadillas and, and things like that. But now they'll bring home, like um, sometimes they'll bring home at the end of the day, they'll have lunch uh, snack bags and they'll bring it home. And my son yesterday, just yesterday, had the this uh, bar, the snack bar. And he's like, can I eat that? And this is my kid who's like obsessed with carbs. And so we work really hard with him. Like uh, you're eating. I My rule is when you get something out of the cupboard, you also get something out of the fridge for your snack. So we're pairing fresh food with, you know, That's packaged great. food. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, they're always like, okay, I'm going to grab a fruit and then I'm gonna grab this. And, you know, he had a banana in his hand and then he had this bar and I said, okay, well, what's your protein? And he's like, well, the bar, I think is protein. I said, well, turn it around. Let's read the label. And he's like, how many? And he said, well, okay, well, how many grams of protein? He's like five. I'm like, okay, well, it's not terrible. It's not zero, but you know, it's fine. Well, let's look at other things because it's not just the protein. I said, well, let's check out the sugars. How many sugars? And he gasped and he goes, <gasps> and I'm like, what? He goes, it's a lot, mom. I'm like, well, what is it? He goes 20. It's like, mm, yeah, that's not ideal. Yeah. And so we kind of talked about, okay, well, you know, it looks really good. She go, well, how about we eat half the bar 
And that way you're only getting 10 grams of sugar. And let's find something else like maybe carrots and, you know, ranch or my ranch that I make and or carrots right. and hummus. And, you know, it's not about not eating it. It's about perhaps we don't have to eat the entire huge bar. Yeah, you know, exactly. and it's really just like combining the best of both worlds so that you get the healthier, more nutritious foods with the other snacky foods yes. that you might really like. Um, so speaking of like, let's go back a little bit and talk about you kind of mentioned it before, you know, when you're talking about sugar, we talked about the flavors, like what are the kind of flavors that work in what you're making, what's your recipe, because being a recipe creator myself, like I use a lot mm -hmm. of maple syrup in my mm -hmm. um in my, uh, my dessert, uh, creations. Um, number one, I love like the texture it gives cause it's a liquid versus a solid, but I do use cane sugar and whatever. And sometimes too, depends on if I'm going for a true dessert or something that, um, is more of like an easy, like whip up thing. Um, mm -hmm. but, and I also love the flavor of maple syrup, but, um, there's, differences in the way they taste. There's also differences in the way they affect our blood sugar, which is glycemic index. So mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about glycemic index, like what it means. And also um, we can touch about glycemic load because those things are different. Yeah. So glycemic index is basically when you eat a food, how does it affect your blood sugar? And there's a, you know, a number scale of, you know, this food has a glycemic index of, of X amount. So it's kind of a ranking of carb carbohydrates in foods, according to kind of how they affect your blood sugar level. So carbs with a lower GI value, which they say, you know, GI is glycemic index is going to affect your blood sugar less than one with a higher GI value. So the lower GI are things like most fruits and vegetables. Yes, vegetables have carbs in them. You know, more of the nutritious carbs that have fiber like beans and lentils and fruits and vegetables um, and, you know, grainy breads that have, you know, the, that whole grain flour in it. Um, and then they call things like medium GI foods, which are things like potatoes and corn and bananas, you know, again, not one is better than the other. There's a way to fit them all in. And then the higher G, the highest glycemic index food, the foods that will spike your blood sugar the most are the things that really don't have fiber in them and are just kind of pure sugar, like white bread and white rice and candy cookies, ice cream, all that stuff. So when you say like, I just, just so people listening, when you say affect your blood sugar, we're talking about how quickly it's digested and how quickly your blood sugar levels spike. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Just so, uh, because I want to make sure people know that like, that's what you're talking about when you say it doesn't have fiber because fiber, protein, those things help slow down that digestion, which means that the sugar is not digested as quickly, which means that your blood sugar doesn't rise super fast. Um, right. And that's you know, why we want to include that. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is a whole other thing, but you know, people who have, or are insulin resistant or have diabetes, yes. um, are going to be more sensitive to this and they check yes. their blood sugar and they'll be able to say, Oh, this food had more of an effect on me than this food. And yes. again, just because we we put a value on something, doesn't mean it, it affects everybody the same way. The same. You know, yes. even the low glycemic index foods might affect someone more than a different person. So you are totally. unique in how your body responds to things, which is why it's important to pay attention to what works for you and what doesn't, what satisfies you and what doesn't. And to know that there's not an exact diet for every person, which is a hundred percent problem with like, you know, the diets out there. That's like, here you go. This is what you need to do and eat it this exact amount at this time. And goodbye. You know, like everybody totally different. Right. And that's why it's so frustrating when you have these. Um, and I, I mean, I am an influencer online, like this is my business, but um, I really try to stay in my lane. And I really try to make sure people understand that, you know, when I share something, it's what works for me, it doesn't work for everybody. And, and I'm in the plant based world where I am struggling really hard to break barriers, and to make people understand that it doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. And it doesn't mean that you have to do this, or you're a bad person. And that's a very tough um, thing for people in that vegan plant based niche to understand mm -hmm. that it's, um, 
it's not, doesn't have to be all or nothing. And that's the same with sugar. Like yeah. I let, we have a candy jar and that candy jar is on our kitchen counter. And my kids know that they can have a piece of candy, but we, I talk a lot about how food affects us. And I've let my kids fail when it comes to like, you know, right. Halloween, like yep. you eat all you want. Oh, you feel like crap today. Weird. I wonder why. Yeah. yeah I mean, sometimes you have candy bars. Yeah. You can't convince them. You have to let them kind of see for themselves. And, and that happens a lot with my clients. Like when they kind of like have like a sugar OD one day, they're like, Oh my God, that's the worst I felt in months. I know how much it affects me now. And before when they weren't paying attention, they could just kind of felt crappy or sluggish all the time. So it's really important to like pay attention and be mindful of how you feel and like what affects you and what you can just adjust in your diet to make it more nutritious, to help stabilize your blood sugar more, whether you're diabetic or not. To be honest, I teach people how to eat, whether they are diabetic or not, they should be eating a certain way, which is by having higher fiber, more nutritious carbs paired with protein and healthy fats. And that is kind of the key to keeping you full, happy, satiated, and, you know, just affecting every other area in your life in a more positive way. Totally. Um, well, for parents, I, I know the sugar thing, especially in the parent community tends to be kind of, a, um, you know, a buzzword, but is there, as far as like, we talked a little about diabetics and sugars uh, and GI and how it, you know, different sugars, you know, raise. And that's the other thing with when people talk about um, healthier sugar, uh, they, they like to market it as, oh, it has its nutrients because of the, you know, because of the, it's less processed or whatever. But right. really, we should be talking about, you know, how quickly it makes our, you know, blood sugar rise, because that is so much more important than the tiny trace amounts of nutrients you might be getting in exactly. that little it's like bit of sugar benefit kind of thing. It's like, yes. Okay. Like honey might have some antioxidants, but you know, if you eat way too much of it, it's going to spike your blood sugar and not make you feel so great. You know? So like, yes, again, we go back to the, the social media influencer world of, of hearing about something that you should buy because this person has it, but like what makes them the expert in that, you know, it's just, and people have to realize people, um, people online are being paid to sell things, whether they're totally. healthy or not, they want you to buy it. So be careful with that stuff and do your research. And, you know, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, especially when it comes to these like food products we see online. Yeah, that are well, touted as healthy and no sugar and, you know, all these words that you hear. Well, and one thing I actually, because I have a few opt-ins on um, reading ingredient labels, and I have one about sweeteners. Um, and one thing I learned, which is interesting, because people think that brown rice syrup is actually like a quote-unquote healthier sweetener than, let's say, maple syrup. But the shocking thing is if you look up the GI number for brown rice syrup, it's like close to a hundred, which is the highest you can go. Mm -hmm. And maple syrup is 54 or something like mm -hmm. that. I think it's like 53, 54. And it's like, so this brown rice syrup has been toted as like this great alternative. And honestly, cane sugar is way less than that. Like you might right. just use regular sugar. Yeah. It's kind of like how people say brown rice is so much healthier than white rice, to be honest. Like it is very, very similar. <laughs> so, um, you know, people are scared to eat white rice, but they'll eat lots of brown rice. And, you know, I, and it's same with sweet potatoes and white potatoes, you know, they're both really nutritious and delicious and easy and, um, great, you know, plant foods. And, you know, just going back to one last thing you said is, an example, I know you're, you know, a plant-based blogger, chef, um, you know, you could say, you know, you could have a very irresponsible vegan diet, for example, totally you know, full of sugar. And, and it's like, you're eating the substitutes, you know, and think of the word that's in vegan and vegetarian is vegetable. It's V E G. Yes. And so your diet should actually have plants in it. And that is a responsible vegan or vegetarian diet. It shouldn't be these high sugar foods that sure they're still vegan, 
you know, there's, yes. there can be tons of vegan cakes and cookies, but they're, they're still a treat. And that's an important thing to know. Um, there's a big difference there just because something's vegan, vegetarian, plant-based because plant-based was like, you know, a huge buzzword this past year or well, two, especially with that movie that came out yes. and they were drinking orange soda and eating like a vegan dessert. And they were like a plant-based diet. And like, that is not really a plant-based diet. No. Well, and the reality is that a vegan diet, uh, vegan, it really has to do more about a lifestyle than the diet. Like vegan, a lot of people that identify as vegan really are into it for the ethical reasons. And a plant-based diet is actually different than a vegan diet in the sense that it is mostly comprised of plants and a whole food plant-based diet Mm -hmm. is actually the quote unquote, most nutritious way to eat plants because you're getting most of your food from whole foods, but it's much more plant-based is much more, um, I guess you can say lenient and gray. I identify as plant-based. I don't identify as vegan, Mm -hmm. um, because we are not strict in that sense. We eat mostly plants, um, create with mostly plants, mostly because of my husband's and we went into it for my husband's health reasons. So Mm -hmm. there's no, there's no way like we'd go into it for my husband's health reasons and then fill our bodies with like, you know, fast food, coming from a plant-based fast food place. Like it just doesn't make sense. Right. Um, so it depends on your why. I mean, you may not care to feel great every day, as long as you're saving animals, you do you totally right. great. Exactly. Um, but right. There's lots what, of reasons to be vegan. I'm just saying that like you could yes. have a unhealthy vegan diet. It doesn't necessarily 100%. super healthy. And that's the same. One thing I found out too, is um, one thing I struggle it with sometimes is I now Um, I cannot do gluten anymore. It's something that in the last year I have learned my body does not um, like at all. So I've had to cut gluten out of my diet and I struggle with it because gluten-free is such a buzzword with synonymous with healthy. And I, before I cut out gluten, um, we ate a lot of, and my family still does. I just can't, but we did a lot of like sprouted wheat breads and I loved the texture of like whole grains and sprouted wheats and all the nuts and seeds and breads and all that amazing, um, whole grain, um, you know, uh, grains that I was getting fiber from and whatever. And now when it comes to gluten-free, it's so hard because so many things are filled with things that aren't as nutritious as these whole grain breads that you can eat. So right. Same with gluten-free. That does not mean it's healthy or nutritious just because it says gluten-free on it. I don't have a choice, but if I could choose, I would choose the whole grain bread. Exactly. 100%. Just because it's gluten-free doesn't mean it's nutritious. A lot of times it has a lot of additives that the, you know, the, the regular version doesn't. And, you know, especially these substitutes, um, things that were made specifically as a substitute to be gluten-free aren't you know, necessarily healthier. And, you know, there's reasons people medically need to be gluten-free. And that's a big difference between just saying, oh, I'm just going to be gluten-free. Yeah. Well, and that's why I honestly create so much of my own stuff now, as far as baked goods go, because when I do my baked goods, my most of my gluten-free baked goods are um, oat flour, almond flour, Mm -hmm. you know, things that are, you know, better than like some of the other stuff that is in the gluten-free breads, which if, I mean, I buy gluten-free bed. I actually have just found a recent, a local uh, guy that makes this incredible gluten-free loaves out of his kitchen, which are literally to die for. Um, so I've been starting to buy those now. And it's like, my life has become whole again. I have to tell you, they are so good. Oh, and they're all they're like, bread is like, oh my God. I know. And so it's so hard. Like I, I just, I, I don't often buy it from the store because it's just, it's A, not as good and B, like, I don't, you know, I, I'm just like, eh, there's all these other things in it. I, I'd rather just not eat it because it's just does not satisfy me. I miss the like sprouted wheat berries and all the yummy things in the bread that I used to get. But anyway, that's another yeah. story. Right. Um, <laughs> Um, but what about, let's close off with talking about sugar alternatives for people that really need that, um, that low GI, um, index, like let's talk about some options out there. I'm going to be forefront before you start and tell you that they're not my favorite because I think I have a, um, a, you know, like how people taste cilantro and taste soap. Yeah. I have the same issue with a lot of these sugar alternatives and I'm still, I'm still trying them because some of the protein powders I use have them and I'm actually like, some of them are okay, but let's talk about it. If you need it due to health reasons, or you want to keep your blood sugar low, 
What are some of the options out there? Well, this, I could go on and on about artificial and non-nutritive sweeteners, which basically means um, your body does not absorb calories from these sweeteners. So some of the ones that you're probably most familiar with are Splenda, Stevia, monk fruit, Equal, um, the old school ones, you know, aspartame and saccharin, those kinds of things. So, um, you know, I am just not a fan of them, number one, because I can taste them in everything pretty much. And mm-hmm. I just, in general, you know, it's funny, I'm not going to go into something that went on online recently. These sweeteners are deemed safe by research standards. But as someone who works with real people in real life, my clients that come to me who rely mostly on using these sugar substitutes have a lot of other behavioral issues going on. They're, they're just not as satisfied They you know, this, the, the artificial sweeteners are way sweeter than real sugar products, which can, you know, raise our threshold for how sweet we want things. So there's a lot of kind of behavioral things around that because I am, you know, sort of a food therapist and we went through a lot of psychology in school. So that's a big part of my practice. Um, And I really try to steer people towards using, you know, a little bit of the real thing or, you know, the ones that to me are the better, (laughs) you know, I don't want to call them evils, but the best of the evils are stevia and monk fruit. And if you enjoy the taste of them, that's number one. If you enjoy- That's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going to ask you is let's separate, like, let's tell, tell us which one are the the most quote unquote natural and the ones that are, that, you know, we, we want to definitely stay away from. So I- I think that the monk fruit, because it's from a Chinese fruit, but again, you're not actually eating the Chinese fruit. They're processing it still. Um, Monk fruit, allulose, which they're starting to use in products. And um, stevia would be my top three picks for um, sweeteners that do not, don't have any calories in them. So they might be great for people who are very sensitive to eating sugar, but like things with some sweetness, like diabetics who are trying to control their blood sugar more. Um, but for me, number one comes down to taste because if you don't like the taste of something, you're not going to ever feel satisfied. And that's going to lead to a lot of other possibly unhealthy habits. And you know, so, and there's also something called date syrup now. I don't know if anybody has heard of that. There, yes. The, okay. I have, um, I have. They actually sent me a sample recently, the just date syrup. It's, it's low on the glycemic index. Um, so, you know, again, which means it will affect your blood sugar less than others. Cause it's low, it's also lower in fructose than most sweeteners. Um, So that's another one that I've been experimenting a little bit with. Again, you know, it depends on what you're using it in and what tastes good to you. And that's the first thing I would say, but also ask yourself, you know, why do you need these sweeteners? What is it doing for you? Is it helping you? Is it helping you in your health habits? Um, You know, so those are the two things. Do you like the taste? Number one. And is it helping you in your health journey? And if the answer is no, I'm still really addicted to sweets. And then I go and eat the entire cabinet later and have five brownies and eat cookies. And, you know, but I'm having, you know, stevia in my coffee, you know, we have to kind of look at your behaviors too. And what could be affecting what it's kind of like going to McDonald's, the McDonald's drive-thru and getting a Big Mac and ordering a diet Coke. Like, you know, you've got to kind of look at the big picture here. I totally, I totally agree with you um, when it comes to like the behavior part of it. Cause I'm really big on behavioral. That was actually when I was teaching, I was like, one of my specialties was behavioral um, modification with in children. And it, it really, it's the same concept when it comes mm-hmm. to eating is, beha- you know, the behavior behind, you know, what is, what is the driving behavior there? What is the driving force? Um, and I totally agree with you um, on that. And I agree with you on the taste. I struggle with it. Um, when it comes to 
the sweetness, but there's always this like soapy flavor to me with a lot of them. I will say what's Mm -hmm. funny on what's funny on the date syrup that you bring that up is I've seen kind of that starting to pop up, but I did date syrup when I first started my website. Um, I have a post that I've redone multiple times for SEO, but it's one of my oldest posts on um, making date paste, but it's making it out of real dates. Like you actually take dates and you make it out of, and dates are great because they have fiber and Yes, there's, you know, it's sugar spikes your blood sugar, but you also have that fiber that's like slowing it down. And I made date syrup out of like real dates. And now it's like all of a sudden date syrup is like in. And yeah. I just, I'm so curious. You. you were like a pioneer. Well, it's just funny because I'm so, it's so curious to me that like, is date syrup, I mean, obviously making it yourself is the most nutritious because you're making it from dates and you're not right you know but, stripping you know, stripping any of that stuff out. most people are not going to make it though <laughs> so that's the thing it's like I love the buzzing these but you know this like you know they're whoever cr- decided to start that it really is super smart because they're like oh let's take this thing that's actually like you know great you know pretty healthy as far as the sweetener goes and let's like process it and create it and sell it and right. I'm just so curious I'd love to do a you know, actual like scientific comparison between the date syrup that they're selling and, you know, does it still have some of those good qualities that, you know, real dates actually have, or is it really just processed sugar? Right. And, you know, there's, they keep coming up with more and more things, but it's like, I really think if you have a little bit of the real thing and you start to actually taste, you know, foods that are not as sweet anymore and kind of wean yourself down. It's just going to help with all the other things that you might be struggling with in your life. Um, you know, I, I think it's part of a bigger picture, but yes. so they are from research studies, quote unquote safe. You know, you can eat them and they're not going to kill you as like you may be reading that they cause cancer and this and that, Um, but they are deemed safe. But then you got to think of like the behavioral impact of having them and relying on them and people telling me they're addicted to diet soda, for example. And like, what does that say? I just, I actually love that. It's so interesting what you said about um, raising the threshold for your sweetness, because that is so true. Like I you know, didn't think about it that way. Like it's the same as it, it kind of reminds me of that whole. Um, so when you're born, you're born with all of your taste buds. And as you, as you grow older, you actually lose taste buds, they die and they don't grow back. So that's kind of why old people, um, you see them needing more salt because they actually, you know, like they, they need their threshold for what they need, like is different. And when you said that about sugar, I was like, dang, that makes so much sense with the whole stevia thing, like, cause it is so much sweeter. I've noticed that. Yeah. And if you're accustoming your brain, it's, it's like a brain thing. It's cognitive behavioral therapy, almost like it's yeah. this brain thing where you're, you're tasting this and your brain is saying like, when you eat the real stuff or eat a fruit, sweeten something, it's your brain saying like, that's not enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's, gosh, I love that. That's so such a good point. Yeah. And I mean, scientists will tell you, sure, they're safe, but you know, have you worked with actual clients in real life that have struggled with these, you know, addictions, they call them to artificial and non-nutritive sweeteners their whole life. And like, what does, what does that picture look like? You know, it's, it's very similar. A lot of times when somebody I'm seeing, um, is having too much of this stuff and like, what, you know, what is that doing for them? And it's usually not helping them and not helping them get to their health goals, which could be, you know, weight loss, for example. So I don't right. find in general that these products are really helping people. Um, but of course there's a place and time for any, you know, for, for using them sometimes. Yes, totally. Well, in a scientist, like, their job truly is to say, is it going to kill you? And for them, like, is it safe or not? And the research shows this. Okay. But that's fine. And I, and I'm research-based and evidence-based and that's what people in the medical field are taught to do. But there's also, you know, the other piece of it, which is sometimes even more important. Like how is it affecting your overall health and mentality and mindset? Um, you know, 
sucralose, for example, sucralose is Splenda for anybody. I just wanted to let you know that. So if you're not, cause I, I have clients who are like, no, there's no Splenda in that, but there's sucralose, same thing. Yeah. Sucralose, same thing. Splenda is the, is the brand name. So sucralose is 400 to 700 times sweeter than sugar. So think about that. Um, if we just had a little bit of real sugar, like you said, and what's cool is our taste buds can change. So I have clients who like, yeah, are really into like, they loved diet soda and juices and just really sweet things. And now they can't even possibly take a sip of them if they think they're, they're really disgusting now because your taste buds change and hundred percent, that's really cool. When that happens, I actually have, a, um, I have a, uh, um, um, I, uh, I forget, I don't know what the word is, but uh, I talk a lot about like um, resetting your body in the sense of cleaning out the gunk from the tubes. So when you're eating, you know, you're living on the fast food and the fries and all that kind of stuff, it's almost like you're clogging that uh, connection between like your body and your brain and your taste buds and, and all that. It's You're clogging it and you can't the more and more you do that, the more clog you put in it and the farther away you get from the flavor of real food. And when you kind of reset yourself, you're almost cleaning out the pipes. You're like using that Drano and you're like getting all that clogged stuff away. And all of a sudden you're tasting real produce. Like what a, you know, what a sweet potato tastes like, what a regular potato tastes like, what broccoli tastes like. And so much of what people eat today in our country that they consider real vegetables are so laden with so many other things. They've never actually taste the vegetable. So, right. right. Yeah. That's really getting back to like real food and saying yeah. like, Oh, what can I have for dessert? And sometimes it's shocking when I say, what about a piece of fruit? Yes. Fruit is dessert in most other countries, but in our country, yeah. it's, it's not. My kids eat fruit for dessert all the time because sometimes like be, being a recipe creator, sometimes I do have dessert. Like I was yeah. test, testing a chocolate mug cake last night and, you know, I had a mug cake. I was like, yep, here you go. Go at it. But sometimes I'm like, well, today it's fruit. And I, I don't know. I think I actually love like my husband and I do strawberries and whipped cream sometimes like, you know, a little bit of whipped cream or I like to melt dark chocolate and a little bit of strawberry and some dark chocolate like that is like so good to me. Yeah, right. And it's just kind of experimenting with it a little and being like, oh, this is actually really delicious and way more satisfying than, you know, the other stuff I used to eat. So we have, we talked about stevia, monk fruit, allulose, and date syrup. And then there's the ones um, that uh, you talked about Splenda, which kind of would be a little bit lower. What about things like xylitol and erythritol? Well, those are sugar alcohols that I find can affect somebody's GI system, their, their digestive system. And, um, you know, basically essentially give you cramps, gas, bloating, diarrhea. If you have, some people are more sensitive to it than others, but again, they're sugar alcohols and they don't provide any, um, nutrients, any calories to your food either. So again, they're used for different things. Sometimes there can be a variety of different artificial or non-nutritive sweeteners in the food. Um, but those are just, you know, anything ending in OL xylitol, you know, is a sugar alcohol. Um, I actually met, you said that I have a funny story when my husband and I first met, and I mean, first met like second date, we um, were, we went out to eat or something. We wanted something sweet. We we're going back to his place to, I think it was a basketball game that we were going to go watch or something. And we ran into a store and I was like, Ooh, let's do chocolate bars. I saw a chocolate bar and I didn't really pay attention. I was like, I love dark chocolate. I'm like, Oh, let's grab these. So we get these chocolate bars and we each got one. And we, you know, as we're sitting there, we just, I don't know, mindlessly we're eating it. And eventually we're like, Oh shoot. We like ate the whole thing, whatever tasted good. Well, Little did we know that those were sweetened with sugar alcohol. Uh huh. And I, you know, where this is leading. Um, yes. <laughs> let's talk about GI problems with somebody that you're on their second date at their house with one bathroom. <laughs> oh God. I do not eat sugar alcohols because of that experience. It uh-huh. was 
we were both like mortified. Like it was awful. It's pretty <laughs> common. Yeah. And that's the reason it's like the first thing that popped into my head because people will be like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, does your food have sugar alcohols in it? It's okay. like, um, you know, if anyone ever used to live in New York city and lived above a tasty delight, which had those they had these chewy sugar-free candies that we all ate and like we would be so sick from them, but then people just kept eating them because they were quote unquote sugar-free. So yeah. um, there's oh a gosh. whole worst, other, you know, worst so experience much. ever. I will tell you. <laughs> yes. Um, and lastly, other than the sugar alcohols, what about the ones that are like that are even the FDA, or whatever says like, stay away from these, the like um, aspartame, like those kinds of sugars. Well, if anything is on the market, it is safe. (laughs) Again, safe in terms of research that it's not going to kill you. Um, So anything that's on the market, I'm pretty sure they've taken saccharin off the market. Yes. Those are kind of like what I was talking about. Some of those. um, Yeah. Some of those babies that we. You know, um, aspartame is like NutraSweet and Equal, which is still on the market. Um, but I'm pretty sure they've taken saccharin off. So, you know, if it is on the market, yes, it's safe. But, you know, after this conversation, think about, you know, is it helping me in my life? Do I enjoy it? Is it, you know, moving me towards my goals? And if the answer is no, which a lot of times it is no, what can I do to kind of wean myself off of them and start to use real sources of sugar that although they might provide calories, can actually end up helping you and weaning you off of that super sweet taste that you are now accustomed to. Totally. So the bottom line is if you want some sugar, it's actually not the end of the world. If you eat some sugar, Mm -hmm. um, but look at your diet as a whole. Mm -hmm. That's right. And pair it with other nutritious foods and you are good to go. Yep. Which is why I love dipping my dark chocolate in almond butter. Oh, yes. I, honestly, I could do that as my dessert, like every night and be me too. Happy. I do that <laughs> a lot often. <laughs> uh, well, this has been amazing. I have loved this was, um, I know those of you listening, this is longer than my normal podcast, but I really felt like we needed to dive into this head on and really talk about, you know, because there's so much out there that demonizes, you know, sugar and, and makes you think that one sugar is better than the other. And, and when it comes to better sugars, like you heard today, better is different for each, everybody and better is different for maybe your goal for that one specific thing. Like it's, it's more than just, you know, one being better than the other overall. So um, I really, there's no best. There's what is best for you. Right. And I love that. I so appreciate you taking the time and don't forget to look in the um, show notes slash blog post that I write up for this episode because Laura has this amazing free Trader Joe's shopping list, which um, obviously you're going to need because if you have a Trader Joe's by you, I'm sure you're there all the time because they have some um, pretty fab, amazing things that we love too. I'm actually going to check it out myself. Um, I just appreciate all of you listening and you, Laura, for being here. Thank you for having me. And I'll see you guys at Get Naked Nutrition. I'll see you Absolutely. online. And right, thank, thank you, you to my readers, I mean, listeners. And uh, stay tuned for next episode when I am going to break down the nutrition label for you all. Talked a little bit about it today, but I'm going to break it down from the top bottom and teach you how to make some um, decisions that are best for you. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>